I was a pastor for 27 years in the congregation before I became a professor and started doing the work that I do. And the thing I miss the most is baptisms. Like that's the, like I, I just love that we come together as a community and we are reminded that before we can possibly have done anything, we are already claimed and loved. I just love that we do this together. Thank you for letting me be part of your family's special day by just being able to be here together. Um, I have been a part of this congregation uh, around the fringes for several years. I've been working, as John said, with the, congr with the session and with uh, Pastor Thomas and uh, Jill and I are old friends from Fuller and John and I are working on a project even now on technology. And today we're gonna talk about technology and formation. Does that sound inspiring or what? <laughs> And, and the reason we're going to talk about it is because so many of us think of technology as this thing that it can be so distracting, and it can be. But I also want us to think about ways that technology can be something that helps deepen our connection. And I want to tell you about how I think the Bible tells us about that, which might be the most surprising thing of all. So let me start in a different place than you probably expected. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul starts, he says this phrase. He says, so this is my prayer. And he writes to a beloved congregation about what he prays for them. This is my prayer. He writes to them when he's in a prison cell. You can call it sheltering in place if you'd like. This is my prayer. And it's so important that I'm going to send this, this prayer and this message with a trusted messenger to make sure that you will know that I'm praying for you. This is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but love well. That your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but love well. That's Eugene Peterson's translation of a particular passage in Philippians chapter one. It's the theme of Paul's letter to the Philippians. It's what he writes to this congregation that he calls partners in the gospel. It's a theme of a letter that most scholars say is Paul's most intimate, joyful, and personal letter that you will not only love much, but that you will love well. In Eugene Peterson's message translation, he describes that as a life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all or as your pastor Thomas would say, being a love letter from God, wherever you live, work, and play. It literally means that we're to be people whose lives reveal the very presence of God in other people's lives by the way in which we love much and love well. But the question I wanna talk about today is how do we do that? And how do we grow into that? And how do we grow into it, especially in times like this, in days like we have been through and the days that we are facing? And in order to do so, we're gonna pick up Philippians in chapter two, and we're gonna go back to a traditional translation, just so you can see how these words come from the scriptures, about the way that Paul seeks to help the Philippians love much and love well. So this is what we see in verse 12 and following in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work on your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world, holding forth the word of life so that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. 
Because even if I am being poured out as a libation over the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice. And I rejoice together with all of you. In the same way also, you should rejoice and rejoice together with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be consoled by news of you. I have no one so like myself who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. All of them are seeking their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But Timothy's worth you know. How like a son with a father he has served me with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I trust in the Lord that I will also come. Still, I think it's necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and co-worker and fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for all of you and has been distressed because you heard he was ill. He was indeed so ill that he nearly died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, in order that you may rejoice at seeing him again, that I may be less anxious. Welcome him then in the Lord with all joy, and honor such people, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for those services that you could not give me. May God add his blessing to his word. In this most personal of letters, this letter that is filled with names and circumstances and prayer requests and uh, going back and forth and telling about the people that we know and that we've been known and who want to know us and travel plans, and in all of this, we actually find instruction for loving much and loving well, for loving each other, for loving our neighbors, for being a living message of love, to whom we all we love, work, and play. So how do we do so, and how do we learn to do so this in a time and day like this, like we have been in that has, feels like at any given moment, all our best plans can be completely and utterly disrupted? Today I want to talk about something about the way in which actually technology can help us do this, how it can help us love and love well. Let's be clear, most of us are really aware of all the ways that technology gets in the way. It can be a distraction. It can turn us into consumers. It can do all kinds of things that annoy us in all kinds of ways. But it can also be a tool that can help us if we handle it wisely and well. If there's anything that's come out of the past two and a half years of the pandemic, we know that we have all had to become more dependent on technology. But how do we think about that? Well, let me start with a video that I once saw. I teach at Fuller Seminary on leadership formation. I teach literally about spiritual formation and the formation of leaders. And I do so in what's called a hybrid environment. It means that for about 11 months of the year, my students scattered all over the country and all over the world are online, reading books, writing in forums, messaging each other. And one week a year, we come together for an intense week that we sometimes joke as being seminary camp. Like where we're kind of all together intensely, eating a lot of junk food, crying at night, but those kind of things. But in this combination of, of the way in which we learn, I use a video that I often use to talk about formation. And in this video, a renowned scholar, a public philosopher, one that I really respect, is having a conversation with a spiritual director. And they're talking about how important it is that we have communities of spiritual formation and that even theological education that is used to form our leaders can't have to be more than just content and information. They have to be about community and transformation. 
And then the spiritual director, with a deep sigh and complete empathy, says, yes, but what about all those students who can't come and be part of our campus, who have to learn online? Will they ever be able to have a sense of community, of transformation? To which the philosopher says, I know this is hard. We have to work on this because we all know that technology is good for information, but we need community for transformation. She goes on to say, yes, and this community has to literally be face-to-face. -face. It's spiritual formation. It has to be breath-to-breath, -breath, she says. And he totally agrees. What I tell my students is that I'm almost stunned every time I watch that video because, one, I actually don't agree with this anymore. And one time, I agreed with it with all my heart. You see, I did my doctoral work on communal practices of spiritual formation. That's literally what my PhD is on, about the way in which we gather, like in sacraments or at the Lord's table, like the first service did. And it's in our gathering that our transformation happens. That's my doctoral work. And I believe to this day that I believe that we absolutely are called to Christian community in order to become like Christ. But what I no longer believe is that it's the only way that it happens. I believe that actually God is working, works over distance to help us do this. Now, you need to know this, that I'm not a person who is uh, enamored naturally with technology. I'm of the generation. I didn't have a personal computer until I was in graduate school. I'm much more like my 79-year-old mother who broke the glass ceiling of her school district as an educative leader, but who I can't get to be on Facebook and who insists that she'll never twit or tweet or whatever that's called. <laughs> but one of the things that we've discovered is that there are ways to think about and use technology that actually can deepen our connection as humans and even as spiritual believers. One of the insights that I got was from a person named Kevin Kelly, who helps us understand it this way. Technology is an extension of our biology. We use technology as an extension of our biology. In other words, the things that we want to do as creatures, we use technology in order to do them more efficiently and better. So we use scooters instead of walking on a hot night in Austin when we've got to go from one place to the other. We use pencils instead of you know, scratching our fingers and trying to scratch into the wall when we want to communicate a note or a letter. We use forks because it's much better than trying to pick up that food with, that's hot with our bare hands. We use microphones because it's be easier to hear voices. Technology, when used well, is an extension of our biology. And when it's not used well, it's because we're using our creatureliness in a wrong ordered direction. And what's most important for those of us as Christian creatures is to remind us that there is nothing more important to the surviving and thriving of Christian creatures than that which connects us to God and to each other, to the wisdom of God, to the people of God, to the mission of God, to Christ and the body of Christ. So discerning how we use that technology for the sake of deepening connection is really, really important. As technology extends our biology, to what degree does it further God's intention for us spiritually? Now, don't you wish we had a Bible verse that just spoke to this? Did you wish that we just had a Bible example of some way that God was using technology to form people over distance so we could look at it and use it? You know, like, Oh, the New Testament letters. 
What were the New Testament letters? But they were literally pieces of technology. They were letters that were sent over another technological marvel called the Roman road that allowed transportation and commerce to happen. It's in that context of letters over highways that we actually find Paul shaping and forming his people across the miles. These, this community that he loves, that he loves so deeply that he thanks them for sending Epaphroditus to check on him, that he's gonna send both Timothy and Epaphroditus back to be with them, that he longs to be with face to face someday, but in the meantime, let me help you deepen your connection to Christ and to each other. See, the New Testament is not given us as a textbook that gives us theological topics. The New Testament is an inspired set, mostly, of letters that come out of very specific challenges and specific occasions. Paul's letters from a prison were so powerfully full of the Holy Spirit, we believe they are scripture, that they are the inspired word of God that spoke to a particular context and continue to speak to us. Think about that. That would be like God using a series of tweets to inspire the Bible today. We believe that what Paul wrote to them is God's word to us, that we're formed in faith from reading one letter of one Christian to another community of Christians, that somehow the Holy Spirit uses that letter to speak to us today in authoritative informative ways. So Galatians is about Paul confronting a group of legalists and false teachers, and it has something to say to us today. Two letters of Corinthians, or likely two of the three letters of Corinthians, probably one of them is lost, that addresses a series of challenges like social inequality, licentiousness, immorality, and we find wisdom for ourselves today. Romans is a fundraising letter, is what it mostly is. It's written to a group of people that Paul didn't know, hadn't met yet, that he was going to travel to so he could take up an offering so that he could keep going to Spain. And so what he does is he name drops every single person in the congregation that who's ever heard of him so that when he gets there, they might say, oh, yes, yes, you're friends of so-and-so, you're friends of so-and-so, so he can raise money. It's, and yet in the middle of it, we get the greatest theological statement of what it means to be a Christian. Philippians is an extensive thank you note. Some of you are great at thank you notes. I know this. Uh, I go to a church where our pastor is like world-class thank you noter. I mean, he writes a thank you note on everything. I, I, I am still trying to finish the thank you notes from my wedding 34 years ago. I'm horrible at thank you notes. But the reason why you send a thank you note is not just to say thank you, right? It is to remind the people that you're grateful and it's to deepen the connection with deep expression of appreciation. And this is what Paul is doing. He is rejoicing and he's communicating his rejoicing that the Philippians have cared so deeply for him that now he wants them to know that he cares for them and that even now he is in prison, he's not away from them. He's not far away from their hearts and minds. He loves them and cares for them. And he's actually even heard some things and would like to pastor them even from a distance. So sitting in a prison, again, call it sheltering in place or lockdown or whatever, Paul and Timothy, in this case, write a letter that reminds the Philippians of Paul's love and instructs them as a pastor and former teacher of how they can continue on in the way of love. Just as you've always obeyed me, Paul writes. 
not only in my presence, but now so now much more in my absence, work on your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, he reminds them. God's enabling you to work and to will for his good pleasure. We don't forget that no matter what circumstances you're in, I am confident even over the miles and I want to remind you that God's at work in you. So keep working out your faith. Paul doesn't need to be with them to know that they might be struggling from some of the typical human things that happen when he writes, do all things without murmuring and arguing, which tells me that Paul understood what it meant to be a pastor. Remind them, he says, that what makes us human, really, especially the foibles of being human, are things that span the miles and even the centuries. But what's so interesting about this little section of the letter is that it is so personal, and it's also a perfect example of what we can do today. Paul uses the technology of his day, letters, carried by way of the Roman road, and trustworthy people to deepen human connection and Christian spiritual formation. Paul not only prays, but he tells them about his prayers. He shares his prayer requests. And he shares them, it tells them what he's praying for as well. And he does it in a letter delivered via a messenger on the Roman road. Paul, hearing about the challenges they are facing, instructs them in how to love much and love well in a letter delivered by a messenger on the Roman road. Paul not only witnesses to those who have imprisoned him, he brings the Philippians into his mission in a letter delivered via a messenger on the Roman road. This isn't just content, this is connection. This is partnership at work. This is a people being a community even over distance and staying more connected to each other in this. And being able to be connected to the community of God and the wisdom of God when God's call or life events call us apart. Technology is at its best when it deepens connection. We often use technology for content, right? Or consumption, right? We Google things, we buy things, we scroll for things, we search for things. But imagine what it would be like for us to think instead of these things to be about, that are primarily to be about in the hands of a Christian, a way to deepen our connection beyond things. Because what we really want in the deepest part of our biology is connection. Tell me you did not miss what happened when a little boy was taken out of his parents' arms for a second. We long in the deepest part of our being for connection, which is why when we have a relationship with someone, we can learn how to use technology like Paul did to deepen that connection and to further that formation. Technology is an extension of our biology, which also means that if what is happening in our creatureliness is painful and distorted, then technology will accelerate it. It can remind us that we long for something more than we can find on screens. 
Technology needs to be for us a way that we continue to grow deeper to each other. Paying attention to how technology companies are trying to grab our inattention and monetize it is worth a whole nother message. But let me just say instead that you and I can decide that every single tool that God puts into our hands, we are going to use for furthering the mission in the body of Christ. Paul's letters were personal. They were often carried by a person. I believe they were probably read by a person. They might very well have been read by a person at a table like the communion table we were at this morning. That in the context of a relationship, Paul's voice began to speak into that place, even over distance. And they found a deeper sense of connection with Paul and with the mission of Paul. Technology needs relationships. Technology needs to serve relationships. Technology is meant to be a vehicle of connection so that we can do this. So what do we learn together? How can we learn this for our own faith formation? How might we as a community of people right here today in this world think about how to do this? And my suggest is what Paul gives us is a model of what we would call hybrid technology. It's both high tech and it's high touch. It's both an online devotional from Pastor John and a hug from Pastor Jill, it's both. It is a reminder from a distance that Pastor Thomas and his family need our prayers as they're on sabbatical. And it is a reminder from a, that when we are up close that we need to care for and support and serve each other even while they are away. It's having meals with friends and staying close through text messaging. It's Paul writing Philippians and sending Epaphroditus and then assuring them that he's also gonna send Timothy and that he will come too if he can. Technology is an extension of our biology. And one more important truth for us to anchor deep within us is that nothing is more powerful biologically than our need for relationships. To grow spiritually is to grow in love. To be formed spiritually is to be formed so that love will flourish and that we will not only love much and love well. And technology that comes out of relationship is most effective and technology that is most effective enhances and deepens relationships. When my wife was a senior in college, she spent a semester in Europe. We were dating at the time, and when she, I dropped her off at LAX airport and put her on the plane, I didn't know whether or not I would be picking her up at the end of that trip. We were not exactly in one of those really good, solid moments relationally, but we agreed that we would send letters, and we did. And over the semester, sending letters that would sometimes take two weeks to make the round trip, we were able to talk about our relationship in such a way that by the time she came back, I did indeed greet her. And within months, we were engaged to be married. Fast forward a few decades, and my daughter spends a semester in Europe. While she's in Europe, a boy that she'd met decided to FaceTime her. And over far more frequent FaceTiming, by the time she came home for Christmas, he showed up at our door, and today he is my son-in-law. Technology, deepening connection over distance in two different generations. What perhaps may be the most, different, the most significant difference between my daughter and my wife and our, that, our generation and theirs was that during those years, 
when I was, we were writing back and forth, I didn't write my parents quite as much as my daughter would FaceTime us. It was so, the technology made it so convenient that we could stay connected to her. She actually took me on a tour of one of the chapels that she was visiting in, in Italy saying, Dad, I wish you were here, you would love this. Because we had more time and technology, I never once thought, you know, we've spent so much time together, I don't know if she needs to come home for Christmas. No. What I thought was, we've spent so much time online together, I can't wait to hug her neck. Because of technology, I spend more money on plane tickets today than my parents ever did. Because I have a deeper relationship with my adult children than I think my parents ever imagined, would have imagined they would have had with me. Technology can deepen connection. So this is my prayer that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but love well. How might we use everything that God has given us? To that end, we pray. Amen.